weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Here is today's special guest speaker. This morning, we're going to have fun this morning in the Word. Um, we have a thing around here where we call Five Minutes of Fire, and that's where individuals that feel the call of God in their life to share from the pulpit the Word of God are given an opportunity to come and share. And they're going to start this morning with Thyra. Oh, sure, you're clapping now. All right. Just want you guys to bear with me. I have a point to make. I will get there. Bear with me. May come off a little bit hard to start with. Trust me, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I am here to convict me as well as anybody else who wants to listen. All right, I want to start off. This is one of the quotes that I like. It's by Charles Spurgeon. Um, if you don't know who he is, you can look him up later. Don't have time to talk about him. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. It's hard to think about it. it I've got to establish something, so it's going to be a little bit hard to talk about it because they don't do it a whole lot now, but talking about hell, I just want to establish a foundation, knowledge, that knowledge that Pastor was talking about. I know the Bible says that hell is a lake of fire and brimstone and weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm taking the Bible's word for it. That's what it is, okay? Personally, I feel that this is the best description that can be given to us on the basis of those who do not have a relationship with God will have an understanding. That day, they will have full knowledge, full knowledge of who God is, the love of God, and every aspect of God. And then they will be completely separated him from eternity. Imagine finding the person you love the most that person and you get to meet them for five minutes and then it's done. You'll never see them again. And you will spend the rest of eternity wishing you could be there. That I think is going to be one of the strongest aspects and punishments for hell. So now that we have a slight understanding of just a glimpse of what that misery would be like, I have a scripture for you out of Romans, if you want to join me there. Romans 1, verse 14 through 15. Paul says, he's talking to the church in in Rome. It's not even really a church yet. I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Understanding what Paul is saying here, he says he has a debt, and his debt is not to God. His debt is actually to people. His debt is to tell them 
about God, about Jesus, and about salvation. That's his debt. So what I want to do is I'm going to have you guys do something for me real quick. For the next five seconds, I want you to look around you. Don't just glimpse and see somebody. Actually look at them and see them. Play along. It's worth it. I told you I'm getting there. We'll get there. Okay. Close your eyes. Think about all the people in your life that you know. Now imagine everybody inside of a cave. I don't know if anybody's ever been caving before or even been inside a cave. You are the only one with a flashlight. You are the only one that can find the way out. What are you going to do? You're going to turn the light off and stand there and wither away? Are you going to walk out and leave everybody who is now in your mind behind? Knowing that you're the only one with the light, and if you walk out of there, trust me, if you've never been in a cave when you shut a light off, that's dark. That's kind of what it's like being lost without God. It's completely dark, and you don't even know it but you carry the light. Or are you going to lead them out? Leading them out to save their lives. That's what Paul's talking about here. His debt. He knows the way like we know the way. He has the flashlight to help guide everybody out. We have that responsibility. God's kind of funny. He gave me this not too long ago, and then Pastor talked about giving knowledge, so that kind of confirmed it for me. But then Mr. John decided to talk about the party this morning, and that was the first thing he told me last night that I needed to tell you guys. Heaven, a lot of the pictures that get painted of it, trust me, that's, you're not going to care the streets are made of gold. You're, you're really not going to care what it looks like. There is such a party in heaven of just the joy and fullness of God. So the question I have to ask you, who did you invite? Who did you invite to that party? Good morning. I'm, I'm up here this morning to talk to you about benefits. Um, first, I want to encourage you to find out what they are in the Lord, what your benefits are. And then, as, Psalm, as David said in Psalms, don't forget them. Go there first. Uh, a little bit about benefits. You know, there's, there's a real benefit to having a relationship with your Heavenly Father in Christ Jesus. I tried to manage a company for 15 years. We didn't have a lot of benefits. My number one employee left the company because I didn't have benefits. He, he sought after benefits. He tried to learn. He, tried, he wanted more. Uh, 
in the Psalm in Psalm 103, which is where I'm going to go here. You can put it up if you can. Uh, David was reminding himself to not forget his benefits. Uh, David's natural father didn't think that highly of him, did he? You also know that David was kind of a, I want to say compared to some of his brothers, kind of a shorter guy. It kind of gave me, made me feel kind of good, you know, at 5'8 in the morning. That, that made me feel good. Uh, let me read this psalm to you. Now, and there's, a, there's a word in this psalm that's repeated over and over, and it's called all. Some people call this this uh, this psalm the, the all psalm. I heard that before. Let me just read it to you, and maybe we can talk about it for a minute. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. all your diseases, all his benefits. Don't go through your Christian life not knowing what the benefits are. And when things come up, don't don't start thinking, don't forget what they are. We have a tendency to forget. I know I do. So I don't want to ask, it would take too long, but what are the benefits? He gives us a couple here. Don't, uh, who forgives all your iniquities. All your sin, all your crime, all your shortcomings, all your whatever. He forgives. He, he, don't forget what his benefits are. He forgives all those things. Has anybody ever thought just for a minute, if you ask God to forgive you of something, that he would say, nah. We don't think like that, do we? What, what, what happens when it comes to diseases? Who heals all your diseases? Why do, why do we think he won't heal your diseases? This is where I believe that what Pastor was sharing, how we need to get into our word to see what these benefits are. We need to, we need to keep them in our mind and our heart, and we need to go to them before we go elsewhere. I, I'll tell a testimony. My wife and I, uh, this, this is not a proud thing. It might sound that way, but we haven't had health insurance for 29 years. You know why? Well, partially. I won't tell you why. I'll tell you that uh, we trust God with our health. When we have a problem, we go to him for that. Now, there's nothing wrong with having medical insurance. That's all fine. But where is your heart with this stuff? You have to learn what his benefits are. If you're going to live by faith, just shall live by faith. And you're going to have to not forget them when you need them. So... That's really what I was up here for, is to share with you uh, and encourage you to learn what they are and not forget them. Amen? Spirit wants to encourage not just me, but everybody, about opening our boats. Um, in, in John chapter 6, 
16 through 21 sets the stage where he says, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and come to them. Then the sea arose, because a great wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And then they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. And I feel like the three points that were highlighted, not only is this just so jam-packed with goodness anyways, but the three points specifically is that when we're in rough waters, he comes to us. They left without Jesus to go where they were going. And when waters were rough, Jesus came to them anyways. They had already made the decision they were going to leave without Jesus and they were going to go there. But Jesus came to them when things got rough. When he came to them, something had to happen. There was a transaction that had to happen. When he came to them, they had to let him in the boat. There's other versions where it's translated that they happily accepted him into the boat. Um, the New King James says that they willingly received him into the boat. So there was a willingness and an agreeance and a yes made on their part to let him into the boat. So even though Jesus comes to us in rough waters, when things are hard, we have to say yes to him. To the degree of our yes. And then the last, and I thought this was really neat. It says, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Letting him into the boat settled everything. That, this, that, that, that was the end matter. And I think, <laughs> I thought this was so cool. He is our destination. He was where we need, he's where we need to be in allowing him into the boat, just saying yes to him. Everything else is settled at that point. We've accepted him, he's there now. And that's the destination. They had a plan in mind. They were gonna go somewhere. They knew they wanted to be somewhere. And while I think that they made it to Capernaum because Jesus was now in the boat, it didn't matter if they made it there or not, because the destination was already reached. They said yes. He gets us to where we need to be, even when we're traveling in rough waters. But we have to say yes to him. We have to willingly let him into that boat. And it said that they were afraid at first. Jesus had no problem announcing who he was and telling them not to be afraid. So again, there's kind of a double-sided transaction that needs to happen. He tells us, it's I. He says, this is me. I'm Jesus. And in that, there is no fear. But he tells us, do not fear. So I think if we could set ourselves aside just a bit, just a bit, and allow ourselves to say yes to him, to put that fear aside, and just let him in. Because I know it can be rough when you're in rough waters scary. When he comes to us, just say yes. Just open that boat. Just let him in your boat.
corazón se alegra en el Señor Jesucristo de las gracias pide ese mensaje a mí This is about climbing faith mountain. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I want to speak to you about some principles of faith that I learned during a very unplanned, very, very unplanned mountain climb. While living in Mexico in January of 2008, I joined an evangelist from El Salvador and his wife and a small team on their monthly trip to preach the gospel in a remote mountainous area in the state of Hidalgo. The truck was heavily laden with bags of clothing and supplies for these people who really had nothing up there except some big sheep and goats, maybe some chickens. And on the steep ascent, a single lane, unpaved, rocky and muddy road, my suitcase found its way down a cliff somewhere. So when we arrived, All I had was my Bible, yeah, I had my Bible with me, and what I had on, which included a long woolen pink winter coat and black flat dress shoes. When we arrived, we stayed in a small farmhouse and it was cold and rainy at this altitude. My next day, I eyeballed the lightly vegetated mountain in front of the house and asked if it were climbable. If you can imagine where that little road is, that's what I saw up in front of me. I was bored and felt I could use the walk. So I picked out a sturdy branch nearby and made it my Moses staff and set off to conquer this mountain. In my pink coat to my knees and black dress shoes. I ascended not where not knowing where it led how long I would have to climb taking my staff and all my fears fear of falling fear of snakes scorpions spiders and wild animals like mountain lions but I was determined to make it to the top somewhere around about one to two hours within the climb there was no watch no cell phone I had nothing with me And about only halfway up, the terrain began to change. There was only sporadic little trees and tufts of grass now. And the earth below my feet began to slide with each step I took. It was dry, earth-like pebbles, and with each step, my foot would just slide backwards. And a little avalanche of dirt would follow. I had to lean heavily on my staff and reach for a little tree or piece of vegetation And uh, each fearful step, these little pieces of trees and vegetation would just uproot themselves. Nothing was there to hold it. It was too dry up there. So during my climb, I've been praising God, I've been worshiping him and just calling out on scriptures. And now I was pleading for my life. I was calling out to him and I was crying. And every step, I was declaring the truths of God. I was alone and terrified, but God was with me. When I finally made it to the top, maybe two or three hours later, I landed at a flat plateau where another mountain went up behind it. Well, that was far enough for me, so I gathered 12 stones together, and I worshiped up on that mountaintop, and I thanked God. And then I knew I had to 
get back quickly because it's going to get dark. I started back to go down the way that I had come, but I couldn't take a step because every time I did, the ground was moving underneath me, so I would have slid all the way down the mountain. And remind you, at that height, I couldn't see the ground below. It was just too far up there. Um, so I came back up, and not knowing where to move, I started walking up where I hadn't moved. I moved a little bit over to the right, and suddenly, there was this teeny little piece of ground, just flat in front of me, and it wasn't moving. And I stepped. And I stepped into it into it and it just was flat I had nowhere else to go because the other parts of the mountain were to go underneath me so I tried to go there and as I stepped a little further and a little further mind you it was only a foot or two feet wide it soon became recognizable almost as a path there was no path up that mountain but God showed me a path down However, I couldn't still see the, the, the ground below. I was still way too far up. So I had no idea where this little path was taking me. It was probably another hour or so before I could actually look over and see the teeny, teeny little house where I was staying. And I found my way back to the house. Here's what I learned. In all of my ways, I can fully entrust them to and lean on to my God who sustains me. Though the earth be shaken, my God is my firm foundation and I will never be moved. When I feel lost, lonely, and I lack direction, I have a God who places a path before me. He knows how to lead me home. He tells me, this is the way, walk in it. And blessed are those who wait for him. When my heart feels anxious, I declare his truths, and I worship him, and I cast my cares on the God who cares for me. Back up to present time. It's been three unemployed months and many interviews, and I pleaded to God to not open doors, but to close every door where he would not want me. And so. When I was offered a job on Monday, I asked him if this was the right open door. I wasn't sure because the offer came back at $5,000 less than what I wanted and what I'd asked for. And so here comes my baggage, right? I had a history of employer grief, of denial, and of rejection. Anytime I went to my employer to ask for a negotiated salary or request a raise, spent three days praying and still with a whole lot of anxiety. I sent a, a proposal by email. I couldn't even try to call them. By email. And I said, God, it's in your hands. When fear and doubt came back, I determined to focus on God's truth. I determined to worship. And I, instead of thinking about myself, I started to pray for others. So I took my sister Kayla here on an hour road trip to go minister to some people who were all ill. And halfway there, I opened my email and screamed for joy for the God who redeemed me 
and my past and gave me favor and honor before men who gave me the desires of my heart and the salary I wanted. Twelve years after laying 12 stones on the top of Faith Mountain. automatically start to go into unworthiness. You know, I, you know, what if I get up there and I just, you know, I, I just thank for, you know, come on, God, you really can give me something. You know, uh, and fear, anxiety starts to take over. You guys, I don't, I don't begin to overcome until I come in agreement with, you're right, I'm not good enough. I'm always going to fall short. And I'm never going to be enough. And that's when I start to lean on the one who I now know is perfect. The one who always will redeem. The one who always will restore. The one who's always good. And I come in to realize that, I, you know what, I'm, I'm nothing. This, this, this is not even my life. Now, not just with five minutes of fire, but everyday life. How many of you struggle with, man, you know, I'm not going to have enough money this week. Look at this. I ain't going to have enough money this week. How the heck are we going to afford that? Uh, I, 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 am I going to get another job? What are we going to buy for, what are we going to do for Christmas? I mean, if we allow fear, doubt, anxiety to consume us then that's where we'll live from for the rest of our lives but we know that our God has not called us for a spirit of fear but of power and sound mind so what do you do every morning you wake up and say this is not my life and I do that and, and, and Galatians 2.20 gives us the perfect description of this it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me. How can we get to this in every moment, in every minute, in every day of our life? I'm just going to share a testimony with myself. I recognize the darkness that I came out of. I don't live in that darkness, but I recognize it. And I am so internally grateful for where God's brought me. And I spend every morning 
when I get out of the bed, glorifying Him, thanking Him, recognizing Him in my morning. When I sit down to eat breakfast and I got my three sausage burritos, five packs of hot sauce, you know what I'm talking about, Jeff. I look at Him and I thank Him. I give Him thanks and I recognize Him uh, at, at the breakfast table. On your drive to work, you put it on K-Love or the fish and you recognize him on your way to work. On your break, when you got 15 minutes, Matt, and you've been working hard all day long, man, you, put your, you recognize him in your break in the middle of your work. When you get home and you see your family and you look at the goodness of God that he is, that he is blessed you with, with you know, your little ones, Will and Carol, running around, Man, you know, I, I know that joy. I, I remember I used to sit there and watch my children. You know what I mean? Like, I turn the TV off. Sit down and watch your kids, man. There's no better entertainment there. And, through, and I'm telling you, man, like, they will do some miraculous things. And sometimes you'll sit there and wonder to yourself, how can I ever create something that beautiful? I'm going to tell you right now. got to recognize them, guys, in everything that you do, because if you live your life dwelling and thinking about how you're not good enough, you will never be good enough. You find your goodness in Him. He is goodness. He is mercy. He is forgiveness. And He is everlasting. And you'll take that onto the kingdom with you. That's what gets us there, guys. So I want to encourage every day, every day, guys, wake up before your feet hit the ground. If, if it's anything but good morning, God, you're so good. Not only are you recognizing the truth, you are prophesying over your day. You know, and I'm not going to go on this, but, it, you know, just instantly the valley of dry bones just came to my mind when God looked to man and said, can these bones live? The man said, God, you know. <laughs> It's almost like you were scared to answer. And God said, dude, listen, just prophesy over them. Prophesy over those bones. And a mighty army rose up. Praise God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Didn't they do a good job? Great job. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. I, lo I love hearing... The word of God out of different mouths. Amen. So every one of you here today, someone needed to hear what they had to say. Amen. My turn. Romeo and Juliet. Song of Solomon 4.7 says, Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. Boy, what a lie is that. Can, can I tell you that I remember... My first day, Stetson, when I was going to meet Pam, okay, right? I was coming from a ball game. I was all sweaty and messed up. I stopped by BP, okay? I went over there. I had a bunch of, I had a bunch of clothes with me. I went into, believe it or not, into the BP restaurant, uh, restroom. I was cleaning it all up. Oh, boy, oh, boy, all right. Had some spluce juice. All right, got my, got my best clothes on, all right? And I had, I had a, a big thing of uh, roses, all right? So we, we met in Peninsula, and uh, I was hoping 
that she didn't see any spots in me, okay? Because there was a whole bunch, right? And I remember, I remember there was a, not just, she just didn't park in the front parking lot. She parked at one in the way in the back. So I'm like, I'm, I'm starting to sweat again, okay? She's just trying to find her, okay? Pam, where you at? You know, I, I, this is a true story. You know, we, may, we, we, we met each other on eHarmony. Uh, I didn't see a picture of her until uh, I act, we actually set a, 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 a date. True story. True story. So I'm like, and, so I didn't know what was going to happen, right? My prayer was that she would not see my spots. A few weeks later, I had to tell her about my spots, right? Because my kids said, Dad, she's so good. You better tell her about everything, all right? So, so I did. I, I took her down into a valley, all right, and I put her on a, a, a wooden uh, um, a picnic table, and she sat, and I said, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here's what happened 10 years ago. Here's what happened five years ago. And I said, okay. And she didn't leave. <laughs> I knew I had won. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you today? that you have you have bought or believed in a wrong script. You have. Listen, you have you have been told that you have to fix yourself up before you can get to him. You've been told that when you do get to him, be careful because he's bringing the hammer. He's going to sit there and he's going to say, okay, now finally it's me and you and let me tell you what I think about you. Completely a lie. Completely a lie. And the last thing is, is that you say to other people, I'm not going to church. If I go to church, there'll be earthquakes happening, all right? The, the, church, the, the church will begin, the building will begin to break in parts, all right? That's such a lie. Such a lie. Let, let me let me let me read to you. What do you think? It's in Hosea. Yes, there is a book. You know, when you get to heaven, God's going to ask you. Is there a book of Hosea? No, no, did I read it? Yes, let's read it. Hosea two, fourteen and fifteen. It says, "Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably." Hunter, and I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Abor for a door of hope, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, and as in the day which she came up out of the land of Egypt. Can I tell you today that the Lord is seeking your heart? He's not requiring anything from you today. He's been pursuing you from the time that you've taken your first breath. Can someone say amen? Hallelujah. Listen to what the Word of God says about you. He says, I will allure her. I will bring her to the wilderness. How many had to go to a wilderness and found out that you couldn't make it without God? Can someone, oh, hallelujah, can someone say amen to that? It took me being into a cave there, Brother Ira, for me to find myself on my knees all alone and saying, God, how worthless am I? But I found, hallelujah, whoo, hallelujah, that he did not walk away from me or he did not bring his hammer against me. He said to me, my beloved, whoo, hallelujah, I've been seeking for you. Listen to what he says. He says, I will speak comfortably to you. He 
doesn't come up to you and say, listen, remember what you did three years ago? He says, listen, I love you. I love you. I've been looking to, for you to hear my heart. What else does it say? It says, I will give you a door, a door of hope. How many has been in that spot in your life when it seemed to be hopeless? Can someone say amen to that? How many has been there when it seemed like there was no answer, but then suddenly, boom, 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 out of nowhere, miracles happen, things change. Can someone say amen, hallelujah? Am I the only one in the house that I was worthless and hopeless, but I found hope in Jesus? Can someone say amen, hallelujah? That's the truth, and he's after your heart. That's what he wants from you. He wants your heart. She shall sing as to the days of years. I'm out of time. Shakespeare had it wrong. Shakespeare said you had to plead together and die. No. He died for you, hallelujah, so that you may live. The true Romeo and Juliet, Jesus Christ. you stand to your feet, church? Can we let these people know we appreciate their ministry this morning? Amen. Amen. That's our special guest speaker today at Encounter. All of our guest speaker messages can be downloaded from our website, godenc.com. Messages from Bishop Michael Rice are freely available on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.